if any of us were to experience legal trouble and need to appear before a judge in a court of law, it's obvious that we would want the very best representation. We would want someone that could present our case accurately, passionately if needed, and certainly successfully. Every human being will one day face the ultimate judge, the judge of the whole earth. And there is only one who can successfully represent humanity before God. Today, we again consider how we are represented before God. You can find the the sixth book of the Christian New Testament in your copy of, of the Bible. It's Paul's epistle to the Romans, and it describes to us the undeserved, the unmatched, and the unstoppable gospel of Jesus Christ. As we've been walking through the book of Romans, we have divided it into six, six sections, and we're in that third section where we're learning about the assurance of the gospel, where we can have full assurance that we are, the child, that we are children of God. Paul was writing to the church there at Rome, made up of Jews and Gentiles who are professing Christ as, as, as their Savior. And he's, as, as he's writing to them, he wants to give them an assurance. And he uses chap, chapters 5 through 8 to, to, to assure them of their standing with God. Now, it's not an uncommon need, is it? We understand that. Uh, it's, if, I mean, roughly 25% of the epistle is around this theme of assurance. If, if that is the case, God knew that we too may struggle in that area and that we too would need to be assured of his love for us, to be assured of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus and his son and that that counts and that the second Adam has come. We've considered the assurance that is proven, that is evidenced by the fact that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That we have access to God. We can go to God now because of Christ. We have a love from God. God has displayed, He has commended, He has demonstrated His love toward us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God has given us a joy even through times of suffering. And all of this is based on the foundation of what we find in the second half of Romans chapter 5. And Last week we began taking up this challenging passage. And the overall theme of, of verses 12 through 21 is that Adam failed in the Garden of Eden. And he, as he served as humanity's representative before God. And now we, we kind of turn and we see that Christ is the second option, is the best option to represent us, represent us before God. Today's text will show us why Christ is the best, why he is superior to what Adam did. Last week, in the first part, we noticed that Adam, we, we, we observed that Adam introduced humanity to sin, that Adam experienced death before us, and that Adam bequeathed death to us. He passed on death to us because all have sinned. But we also noted at the very end that Adam was a type or the, the, the translation we're reading this morning says, a figure of someone who is yet to come. Would you please follow along from God's word as I read Romans chapter 5, 
beginning at verse number 12 to the end of the chapter. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those that had not sinned after the likeness or similitude of Adam's transgression. Adam, who is the figure or the type of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so was the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. And where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. If you have gathered this morning with us, as somebody who has not yet placed their faith in Jesus Christ, you should know that there is no hope for you in Adam. But there is only hope for you in Jesus Christ. Christian, this passage is a call to stand back and to say, wow, look what God has done for me in Christ. When we grasp the truths that Paul explains, it's a thrilling call to worship. But it's also a call to holy living. When we see what Jesus has secured for us, why would we not want to live for him? Paul tells us that Adam was a type of the one that was to come. And that one is Christ. Adam was a figure of Christ. They each, Adam and Christ, were appointed by God. They each were the head of a race. They each were ahead of a covenant. They represented their seed and passed on their seed to the, the fruits of their works. But we need to remember that being a figure or a type of the one that was to come means that Adam was not identical to the one that was to come. And that, in fact, is Paul's point as he proceeds through these next several verses. The Apostle Paul sets up a contrast between Adam and Christ. He introduces that contrast in verse number 15. Could you look at it again, the very, very first phrase? But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Now that translation maybe just needs a little bit of a clarification for us. 
substitute words for offense and gift to get the flow of it, like this. But not as a Ford Taurus, so also is a Corvette. Or even more succinctly, a Ford Taurus is nothing like a Corvette. Bring it back to Romans chapter 5. The free gift of Christ is nothing like the condemnation of Adam. That's the contrast that Paul is setting up. The free gift of Christ is nothing like the trespass of Adam. So, when considering your representative before God, it's not a matter of good and better. It's a matter of worst and best. Jesus is the best. Only Jesus can successfully represent you before God. First, we note that our second representative before God, Jesus Christ, provides the best initial trajectory. So verse 15 says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Here's the contrast. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the free gift by grace, which is by the one man Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. We talk about someone getting started off on the right foot, right? Maybe they're beginning a new job or they're beginning a, a new college career or a new endeavor in life. And they say, well, that person got off on the right foot. They're in the right direction. They're, they're heading in a good spot, into a good spot. Paul tells us that Adam chose the path of trespass, deviating from a path, departing from the, the plan. That's what we considered last week. It's, it's universally inclusive. We all followed the initial trajectory of Adam. He went the wrong way. He chose the path of sin. Adam departed from God's standard and as a result became more unlike his creator. And we followed suit. Paul also tells us of Christ's free gift, that Christ followed the path of his father, that Jesus was perfectly obedient. He obediently followed the path up to death even the death of the cross. Jesus adhered to God's standard and as a result made it possible for us to be more like instead of unlike our creator. But more than that, it wasn't only a matter of Christ's obedience. It was compassion. It was grace. God allowed Christ to, to grace us. That's the contrast. Adam was a law keeper. Christ, uh, Adam was a law breaker. Christ was a law keeper. Do you see it? Adam chose to serve self. Christ chose to sacrifice self. One of them starts off on the right foot. The other does not. Paul's point. What Christ gives you is nothing at all like what Adam gives to you. Last week we talked about the certainty of Adam's gift to us. That he bequeathed to every human being death. There's no getting around that. One sin at one time brought God's judgment that still results in eternal condemnation. But now, Paul tells us that the benefit of grace is even more certain than the death that came through Adam. I mean, what a guarantee. What a word of hope for us as children of God. If all died through Adam, Paul says, much more have the grace of God and the free gift abounded for many. And when he says much more, it's not talking about quantity or the number of people 
Rather, it's talking about security. If Adam sent death, how much more will Christ's life and Christ's obedience guarantee life for us? It will abound. Grace is beautiful. Grace moves us. When we see grace displayed by someone to someone, we take note of that. We say, wow, that's beautiful that that they're showing grace to someone. The beauty of Christ is often not seen clearly. It's easy to, to see grace via Christ. But Adam chose something that initially looked beautiful too, right? In other words, though Eve was deceived and not Adam, Adam still chose something that looked pleasing to him. Sin can look beautiful at points. There is a certain element of pleasure in sin. Our sin might initially look beautiful, but, no make, but make no mistake about it. There is a sharp contrast between Adam's sin and Christ's free gift of grace. Christ provides the best initial trajectory through his obedience. Friends, follow the second Adam. He will not fail you. When considering your representative before God, it's not a matter of good or better. It's a matter of best. Jesus is the best. Only Jesus can successfully represent you before God. Paul continues uh, his contrast by pointing out not only the reality that there is this massive difference between how Adam and, and Christ each started, but also there is an eternally different consequence. So secondly, we see that our second representative before God provides the best eternal impact. Look at verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so was the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Verse 16 tells us that the, that the judgments that followed a single trespass, the judgment that followed one sin, brought condemnation. But the free gift following many sins brings justification and life. Did you catch that? The judgment following a single trespass brought condemnation. God hates sin so much that it only took one sin to condemn humanity. God hates sin that much. Do you? Christian, do you hate sin? If so, how does that look? How does it look in the way you, the way you live your life? You don't hate sin if you make provision for it. You don't hate sin if you're planning towards sin. So if you're planning to be unkind to someone, if you're making provision to pursue sensuality, if you prepare for indulging your heart in some kind of idolatrous way, you don't hate sin. You don't hate sin if you remain unrepentant. A repentant heart hates sin. When you refuse to acknowledge your sin, you show that you do not hate sin like God hates sin. How does your life give evidence to your claim that you're a Christian and that you hate sin? We gather on Wednesday evenings as well at 7 o'clock. Kids have their programs upstairs and the adults meet in the fellowship hall. And in recent weeks, we've been going through a study called Side by Side. It's been a great study. 
We're, cut, we're nearing the end of it now. Um, so if you haven't joined, you're welcome to join. Um, but if you haven't been there, I encourage you to buy the book. We'll have it in our bookstall uh, as soon as that is established. And it's a great book that tells us how we can be helped by the other people in the church and how we can help others and that we're walking side by side in this journey. One of the things that we reviewed last week was this. If we can't handle being told about sin, if we get defensive, we're not giving evidence that we hate our sin. When I sin, I should hate my sin, not defend my sin. Do you hate sin enough to have a filter on your computer to help you flee sexual lust? Do you hate sin enough to limit the number of hours you spend on your hobby so that it does not become a false idol? Do you hate sin enough to turn off a television so that you can simply spend time reading God's word? Do you hate sin enough to graciously take a stand against the unbiblical ways of our culture? Paul will, will later in the book of Romans in, in chapter 12, encourage them to not be conformed to the world. Christian, do you hate sin? Is your life making room for sin? Are you looking for ways to be conformed to the world or looking for ways to be conformed to Christ? Christians hate sin. Do you? This isn't the mindset, oh yeah, I'm going to try to be good this week. I'm going I'm to try not to sin. No, this is talking about a hatred for sin. And that's the contrast that Paul is drawing for us. Sin brings condemnation eternally, but the free gift brings justification. One sin brought condemnation, but the act of righteousness, Christ, the one, brings justification. Adam, Christ, they both gave us something, but Christ's impact made up for Adam's and then some. Helping my kids with math homework has been part of my gig as dad over the years. Tara helps with piano, and I help with math. Not that I couldn't handle both jobs, but I just figured this, I'm offended that you're laughing. Um, I couldn't, I don't know how to play the piano. Um, and so I help kids with their math homework, up, at least up until the last couple years, and now I make Peyton do it all by himself because I think it builds character. <laughs> and because I can't help him. But when I do math, I still do the number line thing in my mind, right? So I, I think about neg when I think about negatives, I'm thinking about the number line. And that's on that end for you guys. I'm going to try to do this backwards. That's on that end. And so the negative goes that way, and maybe here is zero, and then positive goes that way. When I think about Adam's sin, his actions took us, and, and, and our choice in Adam, to follow Adam, we're sinners by birth and by choice, negative on the timeline, right? On the, on the number line, way negative. I mean, not like at five, not like at 10, like think of like five billion, five gazillion, 500 million thousand gazillion. It's way down the number line. But then when I think of the free gift of Christ, Christ's gift Christ's obedience, it doesn't just erase the negative and bring us back to zero. It goes further into the positive. And Christ doesn't just take us to one or to two or to a hundred or to a thousand. Christ on the number line, his gift 
not only made up for the debt, but his gift is taking us all the way, infinity. It's going on and on and on and never stops. Now I realize analogies break down, but do you see Paul's point? While one act of Adam brought condemnation, one act of Jesus brought something that is far superior. It's not only that Jesus paid the negative debt, which he did, praise God, we sang it this morning, Jesus paid it all. But Christ puts you so far into the positive that it's not even calculable for us. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and he says that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is ours. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places belongs to all of God's children. Brothers and sisters, we don't even know what all of that includes. We just know that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is ours in Jesus Christ. That is the free gift of grace. That is the abundance of God's love. And that is why you can be assured of your standing before God. Because every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is yours in Christ Jesus. Many of us are familiar with Isaac Watts' text, Jesus Shall Reign. It's in our red hymnal. I think it's number 188. There's a stanza that's not in our hymnal, and it says it like this. In Christ, the tribes of Adam boast more blessing than their father lost. So that's us, the tribes of Adam. In Christ... We, the tribes of Adam, boast more blessing than our father lost. We get more out of Christ than what Adam lost, what we lost in Adam. That's the contrast that Paul speaks of regarding the eternal impact of Christ. In Christ, the tribes of Adam boast more blessing than our father lost. We lost our communion with God. We had death, right? We are dead in our, in our trespasses and sins. Dominion over the earth. All kinds of greatness that Adam and Eve experienced in the garden. They lost it. But in Christ we gained more than ever was lost. The free gift is not like the result of Adam's sin because his sin brought condemnation. But the free gift brings justification and life. It's the best eternal impact. Adam's results are reversible. Christ's are not. So confidence in the reality that you have been justified by faith comes as we see how Christ's gift of eternal life reverses Adam's gift, gift of condemnation. Brothers and sisters, this should help us in living with an eternal focus versus a temporal focus. What we see all around us, this is not it. Masks or no masks, that's not it. Politics, party or party, that's not it. Wealth or no wealth, that's not it. We're living for another land. God has given to us in Christ Jesus a free gift of righteousness that far outweighs what we, what we receive from our, brother, from our forefather, Adam. Christ provides the best eternal impact. Follow the second Adam. He will not fail you. When considering your representative before God, it's not a matter of good and better. It's a matter of best. Jesus is the best. Only Jesus can successfully 
represents you before God. Our second representative before God provides the best initial trajectory. Our, representative, our second representative before God provides the best eternal impact. But there's something, one more thing that we should, we should point out this morning for, for us, uh, for the here and now. Our second representative before God provides the best earthly journey. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So those who receive the abundance of grace will reign in life. That's talking about our earthly journey. It's talking about the here and now. The second Adam, Jesus, has not only gained us more than the first Adam for our eternity, but he has also gained us the best situation for our journey right now, for what we're doing right now. So, this is talking about tomorrow when you sit across from the breakfast table from a spouse or a kid that's been a jerk to you over the weekend. This is talking about later this week when you want to be dishonest in your conversation with a friend, when you want to feed your mind on the sleaziness of the, of the culture, or when, you, when your, your flesh wants you to commit some other sin. It's talking about when you want to respond with sinful, sinful anger. This is talking about when you despair because all of the junk in our world right now. Paul says, Jesus is the best answer to your current struggle. Adam is not. To reign in life through Christ means that we also have power over sin. Now, today, tomorrow, this week, until Jesus comes back. We can have victory today. Paul says in the next chapter, but thanks be to God that you who once were slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. Then he says to the church at Corinth, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians, he says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, especially today, behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Or how about when he writes to the church at Philippi? Being confident that he which began a good work in it will perform it until the day of Christ. Paul says, if death reigns in us because of Adam, much more will, will, will life reign in us because of Christ. Before we walked in the ways of death, now we walk in the ways of life. The free gift of grace can be dominant in our earthly journey. The free gift of grace can be dominant in our earthly journey. You don't have to live in the grip of sin. You don't have to live in, in, in bondage to sin. You can live in the joy of grace. You can live in the joy of grace today and tomorrow and every day until Christ returns. That means the vice of addiction to pornography, Prescription drugs, alcohol, or X, Y, Z, any other besetting sin. It's broken with the free gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ. 
Living in the joy of grace means that the habits and the actions of your sins from yesterday don't need to continue in your life today or tomorrow. Receiving the abundance of grace and having that grace reign in life also gives us hope as we face the horrors of sin in our world. Racism isn't going to be solved by legislation. But when grace transforms a heart, the individuals see that God made a single human race to bear his image. Abuse of children isn't going to end because we have a better foster care system. But when grace grips a heart, that person will see that they are called to be a dispenser of grace. Political corruption, sins of all sorts, only Jesus can change a heart. And when he does, grace and righteousness will reign in life now, today, this week, during our earthly journey. The hymn text says it this way, He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. That's assurance. Adam couldn't crush the serpent's head. You can run to the one who did. Christ provides the best earthly journey. Follow the second Adam. He will never fail you. When considering your representative before God, it's not a matter of good and better. It's a matter of best. Jesus is the best. Only Jesus can successfully represent you before God. So on that final day of judgment, you want to have the best representative before the judge of the whole earth. And being a follower of Christ is moving from having a, a, a bad representative to having the best representative. Jesus did it all right. You can have assurance precisely because Jesus chose the best trajectory, one of humility and obedience and sacrifice. You can have assurance of your standing with Almighty God precisely because Jesus secured eternal life through his death on the cross in your place. You can have assurance of your standing with Almighty God precisely because Jesus has done all that is necessary to break the power of sin for you, even now. You can have assurance because only Jesus could secure these things. Adam could not do what Jesus did. Only Jesus could do what Jesus did. If you do not know the second Adam, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you should respond to this with fear and trepidation. Because the Bible tells us that all who do not know Christ will experience eternity without Him in a place called hell. But you can also respond with humility and repentance and call upon the name of the Lord in faith, believing that when Jesus died on the cross, He died for your sins, appeasing God's anger for your sin. And you can believe that Jesus did that for you as a way of God displaying his love for you. I invite you to do that today. If you've never called on Christ to be your Savior, do that. If you have questions, chat with us after the service. We can show you more from God's word about what it means to be born again. Christian, when you hear this text, and you're reminded from this passage of Christ's work on your behalf, respond with, with, with choosing to live a holy life. Flee from the temptations of sin. Don't be conformed to the world. 
Set your affections on things above. Respond with worship, with thanksgiving. Stand back and say, wow, God, you have loved me this much. You are not only better, you are the best. Thank you, Jesus. So Harvest Bible Church, come, behold the wondrous mystery. He, the perfect Son of Man, in His living, in His suffering, never trace nor stain of sin. See the true and better Adam come to save the hell-bound man. Christ, the great and sure fulfillment of the law, in Him we stand. That is our assurance with God this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.